Angie has made it easier than ever to hire high-quality pros to get all your home service jobs done well. Just bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie will connect you with local pros who match your specific needs. Or book a service instantly at an upfront price. So join the millions of homeowners who use Angie to care for their homes and get your next home service job done well. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Welcome to the latest edition of March Madness 365. I'm your host, Andy Katz. On this edition of our podcast, I'll be joined by Nevada head coach Eric Musselman, the Wolfpack are anticipating this season like no other on any in any sport on the Reno campus. The Wolfpack, which reached the Sweet 16 last season, anticipate they've got a team that can compete for the Final Four. We're going to break it all down with Eric Musselman. Coming up in my Fast Break segment, I'll be talking to UCLA's Chris Wilkes. Now, this interview was taped. I was out in L.A. last week right before we heard about Sharif O'Neal. And that's part of our headline segment. Sharif O'Neal, out for the season. That's the son of Shaq. Uh, with a medical condition, uh, he went to Twitter, announced it on social media. He's going to sit out, really crediting the UCLA training and athletic and medical staff for really pointing out a medical condition that he said certainly will allow him to hopefully play basketball at a later date. And certainly with his health, long-term health, the most important aspect of this, um, it's just critical that uh, – any abnormalities were found, and so Sharif O'Neal will sit out this season, will still be a part of the men's basketball team at UCLA, and he was looked at because he was a late add to the Bruins as someone who's going to really add you know, some production, but the most important thing is O'Neal being healthy. We know that. That's what's critical. Another big headline over the past week came out of New Mexico, Jaquan Lyle. From Ohio State, sat out last season. He was one of the main reasons that, and I wasn't alone here, but I had New Mexico as one of the sleeper teams that really was going to, I think, give Nevada some fits in the Mountain West Conference. And a lot of that had to do with Jaquan Lyle and his ability to score for the Lobos coming over from Ohio State. He ruptured his Achilles tendon just awful news for him and the Lobos. That happened Saturday, uh, so he is done for the season. He'll have surgery, and then the hope is that uh, he will be back and ready to go next season. But as we know, that's a tough injury to come back from. And, uh, you know, I, I didn't want to sort of gloss over, obviously, anything related to this, uh, but I didn't want to just sort of have a harsh segue. But I just want to say that all of us, uh, and I'm speaking for you know my colleagues um, at the NCA at Turner. Just want to express our incredibly just deep condolences to Wade Sims and the LSU basketball and athletic department family after an unbelievably tragic occurrence uh, last week. Wade Sims was killed, murdered in Baton Rouge outside Southern University late at night as he was apparently attempting to break up some sort of disturbance, some sort of fight. Uh, it was outside near a subway. And it's just absolutely devastating for, you know, obviously his family, his friends, everyone in the LSU basketball community and on campus. They're doing everything they can, obviously, to memorialize him uh, with a moment of silence at the football game last Saturday. I'm sure a lot of things will be going on with the men's basketball team as well as the rest of the athletic department 
as the athletic director Joe Oliva said at LSU, I mean, this is one of the darkest days, I'm paraphrasing here, you know, that you can have as a professional in college athletics. If you watched it online, the emotion from Will Wade, the head coach, there's no playbook for this. And uh, anyone that's had to deal with a tragedy on your campus, you know that uh, you don't just move on. Um, it takes a long time to get over something like this. And uh, you, you may never get over it. Um, this is someone who was just literally at media day, was at practice, part of the team, in the locker room, friends. Uh, it just, I, I don't know how they're going to be able to put this, you know, sort of out of their heads to play the game, but uh, they will soldier on. But it's just going to be incredibly difficult. So once again, all our thoughts and prayers go out to the LSU basketball family uh, for everything that they're having to endure right now. Um, and of course, to Wade Sims' family, an unbelievable tragedy. Uh, so when we come back, we'll shift gears back to our interview segment. Coming up next, Nevada head coach Eric Musselman. But just once again, uh, just all everyone's thoughts should be with that follows college basketball down with LSU and the family of Wade Sims. Now joining me here on March Madness 365, Nevada head coach Eric Musselman. Uh, Eric, I don't know if there's ever been this much preseason hype for a program at Nevada. Uh, I'm going to go even, maybe even football in the glory years of football because you guys have a chance to not just get back to the Sweet 16, and you know I've been driving this bandwagon. I think you got a legitimate shot to be a contender for the Final Four. So as practice has started, you're almost about a week into it. What's been the mood with this group as they sort of embrace these expectations? You know, I think uh, several things, Andy. One, first of all, thanks so much for having me on. Um, but, yeah, I think with the hype, it can be a scary thing. You know, it's like you're dealing with student-athletes and, and, uh, and you want them to be able to understand that there's a process in place and you've got to get your group to understand, hey, look, it is going to be really, really hard to be a top contending team, even in the Mountain West. Like to win a conference uh, championship is really hard, especially a regular season conference championship. And then we all know uh, that once you get into conference tournament play, uh, there's a lot of variables. There's luck involved. Last year, we ran up against a really hot, well-coached, athletic, talented SDSU San Diego State team, and they got us pretty good. They thumped us good, although we had done a great job in the regular season over the course of an extended period of time. So we are trying to get our guys to understand, yes, there is hype, embrace it, but understand uh, that our mentality every day has to be how can we get better. And we do understand, Andy, that we have talent, we have size now, we have depth. Uh, two of those areas we lacked last year, meaning the size and the depth. Um, but with depth comes new problems. And, and, and so now we have to get our guys to understand uh, that they're going to have to sacrifice. And that's a big word that we've used uh, all throughout the offseason is sacrifice and play for the good of the team. So I want to draw some comparables to your pro coaching career. You know, you coached in a couple different spots. Uh, you weren't tabbed, if I'm not mistaken, as the favorite. Um, you certainly obviously had talent. But how do you compare sort of what you had to deal with the NBA in terms of expectations to what now you're having to deal with a younger group, but with really high expectations? <laughs> well, for sure, when I was with the Warriors, 
Um, the, to say that there was no expectations would be an under. I mean, we had zero zero expectations. They yeah, people today off. don't understand that if they're really young, you know, they don't get <laughs> that the Warriors had many years of not mediocrity, but I mean, they just were not a title contender. Um, maybe I'm being too no, kind. I mean, but, <laughs> but uh, when I got that job, Andy, I think they had won 18 games and we won 19 the next year, more games. But I, I think as a coach, as a leader, when you take over a team that's really bad, um, it, it's, it's easy to change culture. It's easy to get buy-in. Uh, it's a lot more difficult with your team coaching, leading them when there are expectations. It's a lot more difficult, especially when you're dealing with college kids. And, and so I think that, you know, I look at my two NBA experiences, there were zero expectations, as I stated with the Warriors. When I got the Kings job in Sacramento, it was different. I was replacing a really, really, really good coach in Rick Adelman. And they had had success, although they had been on a five-year decline. But the fans don't know that. They just know there's been playoff after playoff after playoff. And then I was the first coach after Rick that they did not make the playoffs. And then they still haven't made the playoffs in, I think, nine or ten years. And there's been probably, who knows, 150 different coaches in that time frame. Um, but that job was harder, Andy, because of the fact that there were expectations. And so with our team, um, again, I think that it's it's showing them on a daily basis preseason top 25 teams that have not made the NCAA tournament. We have done that with our team almost on a daily basis. We've gone uh, year by year teams that have not lived up to their expectations and not to do anything other than warn our guys uh, that you got to play every night. Every game's got its own identity and you got to go out and earn uh, what you have the talent uh, to do this year. You know, to that point, uh, with uh, Caleb and Cody Martin and Jordan Caroline flirting with the NBA draft and coming back. So often I hear from coaches that when the player comes back, you know, that player better be all in. That player's not doing you a favor by coming back. Uh, nine times out of ten, it's because they weren't going to get selected where they thought. So they got to come back to actually improve not just their team, but themselves. Uh, what kind of buy-in have you had and maybe even conversations with those three once they made that decision and and now since they've obviously been back on campus practicing well Andy I think that the first of all the NBA uh, system where they got to go to workouts get feedback we gave all three of those guys Caleb Martin Cody Martin and Jordan Caroline a detailed uh, report Um, we spent many hours as a staff collecting the information from the NBA people and we put it all in a nice presentation for them sat down with them and explained, hey, here's strengths, here's weaknesses, here's area that that you must improve. And then it was our job to kind of come up with a plan on how we could do all that from an individual standpoint, but yet also from a team aspect. And, um, you know, for some of our guys, like you look at Cody Martin, well, Lindsey Drew is still rehabbing from injury. So now Cody Martin is getting all this time all summer and up until today where he's played the point guard position at six foot seven. So that alone is going to help him tremendously. And then we got feedback that he had to become a more consistent three point shooter. And we've spent tremendous amount of time uh, trying to build that area of his game up. And, and he gets in the gym on his own and, and really works on that. And then Jordan Caroline is now making a transition from the five spot to the small forward spot, which is his more natural position uh, at the NBA level. And Jordan had to drop weight um, 
and he had to work on perimeter defense, which is areas that he's made tremendous strides. And then with Caleb, uh, we want him to be a better defender. We feel like he can be an all-league defensive player with his length, his anticipation, shot blocking, and rebounding at that off-guard spot. So I think each guy had his own blueprint on what he has to do to get better. But the experience, Andy, for all three of those guys was tremendous. And really, two of the three were grad students in, in Cody Martin and Caleb Martin. And Caroline was just really a class or two short from graduating. And to think that those guys could have all three gone as grad transfers, but they elected to come not only come back, not go to the NBA, but then to come back to Nevada, I think speaks volumes in what they want to try to accomplish this season. All right. So Jordan Brown, a lot of hype when you landed him. You know, that's the kind of guy that you didn't have last season and getting to the Sweet 16, a guy that you can throw the ball in the post. And, you know, the ball doesn't need to come back out because he can finish. Uh, what have been your early impressions about the manner in which Jordan Brown can impact this team as a 6'11 freshman? I think, you know, I think a couple things, Andy. I think, number one, it changed the complexion of us in the recruiting landscape um, that we could land a, you know, five-star type guy, you know, here uh, and a big guy and a guy who's local, meaning just two-hour drive away in Sacramento. But he's like you mentioned, Andy, he's very, very good with his back to the basket. He's got flip shots. He's got jump hook shots. And when people double down and trap him or dig, he's going to really make them pay because the one area that I think he's really, really underrated, he's an extremely great passer and he's very, very unselfish at times, actually, you know, through the short time that we've been together this summer, uh, almost unselfish to, to, you know, to a fault, but he's a very good range rebounder. He can rebound out of his area. He can really, really run the floor, uh, needs to continue to work to bit, build strength uh, and add weight as well. The newcomers, uh, and you're used to sort of blending in transfers, but you got a host of them. Uh, I don't know if you can pick one, but I'm just curious of, of the guys that sat out that you're expecting to have, you know, some sort of influence on this team. Uh, what have you seen here early in terms of those players about who could really stand out uh, after sitting out and contributing this season? Well, I think the one thing, Andy, with, you know, with my background is when, when, when we're trying to blend guys in, and uh, it, it's fairly easy because when you've coached in the NBA Development League or the G League now, you, you constantly have a shuffling of, of rosters. And so much of my career has been spent in the minor leagues. And so, we actually look at it as a challenge, but a fun challenge to integrate our guys. And that's nothing new for us here at Nevada is we've had, you know, all three years, this going into year four, we've had four players sitting out every year. Um, so it could have been in the past to Marcus Marshall uh, that we had to integrate and Jordan Caroline that we had uh, to, to get into our system. And then it was Cody Martin last year, Caleb Martin, Kendall Stevens and Hallis Cook, those four guys we're part of a sweet 16 team that we had to blend in. But this year, uh, we feel like all four guys, uh, Jazz Johnson, Trey Thurman, uh, Corey Henson, Nisrae, all four of those guys are going to be able to uh, contribute. Uh, two of them will have back the following year in Jazz and Nisrae. Uh, and then Trey Thurman gives us added strength up front. Uh, he can play the four or the five. And Corey Henson, uh, we've had scrimmages where he's led us in scoring, and, and he's a guy who can play the combo guard for us. And Nisrae is going to play the two, three, and Jazz can play the one and two. So we feel like those guys give us great flexibility. 
Uh, what are the chances that one of these guys, maybe Corey, uh, could end up being a starter? Well, I think as we look at this whole thing, um, you know, I, I, I think that we'd be, you know, f- trying to, you know, trick ourselves or fool ourselves. Look, we're going to start Caleb Martin, although I did bring him off the bench last year, sh- certain stretches because I felt like we needed some bench productivity and he was willing to do that. But um, Caleb and Cody and, and, and Jordan Caroline, they're three guys that will be preseason, you know, all league players and, and obviously a five-star in Jordan Brown and, um, and, and Trey Porter's done a phenomenal job blocking shots. He's a great athlete transfer from old dominion grad transfer. Who's eligible to play right now. Those five guys have played a lot of the minutes as a starting unit. Although we have blended in these other four guys in jazz, Israel, Trey and Corey, and we're trying to figure out, you know, what's our best combination to start a game? What's our best combination off the bench? And then most importantly, what's our best closing team um, as we look to go to the bullpen and throw five guys out there that can that can close a game? And what are our closing game sets? Those are all things that we're still tinkering with. And we might not find out really until December who that group is. You know, looking at your schedule, and we've talked a lot about this. Great uh, exhibition game, by the way, that you're going to play against Washington, a team that I think will be picked to win the Pac-12 when the season gets going. Uh, BYU never easy. Um, I think Tulsa is actually a sleeper in the American uh, UMass. If you get if you end up playing them in that same tournament in Vegas, they could be a climber in the A10. Loyola went to the Final Four. You lost to them in the Sweet 16. They're going to be picked to win their league. USC with Benny Boatwright, it's going to be an upper division Pac-12 team. ASU, I still think will be pretty decent. Uh, South Dakota State, you know they're looking to go to their fourth straight NCAA tournament uh, with uh, Mike Down. And, you know, I could go on because there's challenging spots throughout. What was the thinking and what you put together in advance of the Mountain West? Well, I think, number one, Andy, last year we recognized, you know, that that what we had to do was figure out a way to make the, the, the tournament, the NCAA tournament, without winning our Mountain West Conference tournament. That that was goal number one when we put the schedule together. Anthony Ruta did a great job on our staff of doing that. Um, and then we followed it. last year. Our whole theme was as many road games as we could get play as many road games as we could possibly get this year. It was more strategic as far as uh, location. We didn't want to wear our guys out with travel. We also felt like it was really important uh, to play teams like South Dakota state that we felt could win their league uh, and be a tournament team. And even the exhibition game with Washington, we wanted to play Washington. One, We were lucky because Dave Rice, uh, was here before and helped um, navigate that so that we could do it. Um, and Coach Hopkins was all in on it. But it's great for us because Washington plays so much zone and they're so good at it and they're long. So we'll get a look at zones early before the regular season starts. But really, really challenging road games at Loyola. We know that'll be sold out. At USC is going to be so difficult. Um, and then at Utah is going to be hard. And then you mentioned a neutral floor game against Arizona state and neutrals against Tulsa. And, and then you look at even our opening game, like we're not opening uh, with a team uh, that we can just kind of roll out there and tinker and, and, and experiment with things. I mean, we're playing BYU and they're so well coached. They're such a great offensive team. Um, And they're, and they're grown guys. Like they're not a young, young team. And so it's going to be really important that, uh, opening night uh, that we play really, really well, or we won't beat a BYU team in our own building. 
And before we let, let you go, Eric, I'm just curious, you know, you've been in this business a long time. You grew up in it, obviously, in your family. Uh, I'm just curious if you can put in perspective your excitement, your anticipation for this season, which I, I've lost track of how many actual basketball seasons, maybe your entire life, um, you know, what number this is. But can you put in perspective how much you've been looking forward to this particular season over the course of your career as a coach, player, and even as a child? Well, I would say, Andy, it's probably the the, the season that I'm like most excited about, um, partially in my own house. You know, my, my daughter's excited. My son has now joined our staff. My younger son's a high school player. And so I'm getting all these family text messages of, all the stuff that's being said every day. And there's great anticipation in Northern Nevada. Um, I think anywhere that our players go right now, anywhere that the staff goes, there's now some rac- national recognition when we wear our Nevada stuff through airports. And having said all that, that comes with great responsibility and great pressure. And um, I think the good thing is our players are used to internal pressure um, because we treat every game since the day that we've been on campus like the seventh game of an NBA championship, no matter who we play. Um, and so I think that our guys are used to internal pressure. Now, all of us, me included, um, have to deal with external pressures. And for sure, Andy, I mean, I've been co- as a head coach since 23 years old. And I don't think that I've ever had this much pressure going into a season. Um, but we, we look forward to it because it's always – you know, it's, it's a good feeling knowing that you have talent and you have respect. Now we have to put it all together. Eric, appreciate it, and uh, hope to, to see you uh, soon at some point. But I know we'll be tracking the Wolfpack throughout the course of the season. Andy, thanks so much for having me on. It's always awesome. Coming up next, my fast break interview with UCLA's Chris Wilkes. And a reminder that I taped this before the news of Sharif O'Neal. So his answer about O'Neal. Just keep in mind that was before the news that we knew that O'Neill would have to sit out this season. Chris Wilkes from UCLA coming up next on March Madness 365. And now joining me here on March Madness 365, Chris Wilkes from UCLA. We are in the Mo Austin Center on UCLA's campus just outside the Russell Westbrook court. Chris, you flirted with the NBA draft. How close were you? Real close. I was, I was definitely on the line, you know, just right there to stepping over, but... I ultimately made that decision to come back and help my team, and hopefully we can you know, win a lot of games this year and maybe win it all. All right, so what was the deciding factor that put you so close to the line? Really that if I was that close and I didn't hop over that line, it's really then I, maybe I wasn't ready. Maybe it's for the greater good to go back and be for sure. So, you know, maybe next time around I'll be, you know, for sure. What did you learn about yourself during that process where you had a chance to work out for NBA teams? You know, it, really doing that, it just – it made everything seem possible. You know, growing up as a child, always wanted to achieve your dreams. And for me to get to that position and almost have that, that opportunity to cross that line and be a pro, it just shows me that I have what it takes to, to do it. And I just got to keep playing hard and working on my game and getting better every day. You guys had an interesting season last season. Um, you know, sort of came down to the wire. You get into the NCAA tournament, but not able you know, to advance. Yeah. What's it been like in the off season with this group? Once you decided to come back, and especially with the newcomers, even the late ad in Sharif O'Neal, where this group is really locked into taking that decision out of the committee's hands and making sure that you're a team that can be a regular in the top twenty and yeah. com- competing for the Pac-12 regular season title. You know, I, I believe that we have 
more players that that played in games. You know, last year I think we just had really just Aaron and Tom that really played a lot of college games with Prince and Alex being out there sophomore seasons and coming in. They were almost just, you know, just like us, missing a whole entire season. So with them coming back and Jalen Hands and Cody Riley and Jalen Hill, Chris Smith, you know, all the guys that, that were here and got to, you know, see see the atmosphere and some of us that got to play, I think that'll help us out and to teach the young ones that, you know, it's going to be tough, but I mean, you know, they're going to learn, and it's going to be good. It's going to be a good ride. There were obviously distractions at the beginning of the season with what happened in China. What did you learn about yourself and maybe your other teammates of, of dealing with adversity right off the bat in college? Really just I've I, I seen that, that we really built a strong bond between each other. You know, even when everyone got in trouble and no, nobody turned their backs on one another. You know, we all stayed, you know, together as a family. Nobody went out and tried to tell on, you know, you know different people. So, you know, I really found that, you know, we're more we're more brothers and we built that strong relationship and hopefully with these freshmen coming in we've we've instilled that in them too and you know, we just play together more as a team and, you know, love one another. All right, so you tell me, because you've seen these players, especially the newcomers, yeah. tell me who's gonna make a huge impact and if they all are, how? I believe they all will bring their, their different attributes. You know, they all have different things that they're that they're stronger than other ones that don't they don't have you know they all they don't all bring the same thing to the table they all bring in different pieces that that fit well with the team and you know just for them to come out and play when it's when it's their time to play hopefully they can connect that all together and it will work well with the team all right so give me some specifics so some of the newcomers because you've played with them yeah. what are we going to see from some of them specifically that will have an impact on this team i think the the bigs are are, are real athletic you know i think with Tiger, you know, a pass, a pass first guard, you know, is is going to be pretty well. And then, uh, you know, the two wings with David and Jules as well, they're gonna they're gonna bring defense as well. Not only that, and offense, and they can they can definitely shoot. So it'll, it'll be good. And Sharif, Sharif will be he'll be Sharif and Moses and Kenny. You know, just them rotating in with Cody and bang with them, and Cody and Jay Hill will, will work out good, and they'll be fine. You're not some wily veteran. I mean, you are a veteran in college basketball terms. But, I mean, how would you grade yourself as a leader? Because you are going to have to be more of a leader this season. I try to step up, boy. You know, last year wasn't much of my role. But, you know, watching the leaders last year and, you know, taking little things from them and trying to, you know, put it in, put it in this season and keep it going. If there's a place on the road in the Pac-12 that, you know, you loved playing in, yeah. the atmosphere that you're looking forward to again this season, where is it? Arizona for sure, you know I, I love, I love when the crowd's against me. You know that it's always, you know, it's always growing up. People always have doubt, and for to go in a big crowd, big atmosphere as that, and everybody's going against you, it just it feels good. So I can't wait to to get back to that. You know, I, I said we're in the Moasson Center. Mm. I've covered this program for many years. Used to live out in California, and it is dramatic how much the facilities have improved at UCLA. It was always a knock on UCLA. As great as the program was is it didn't have the same kind of amenities that other programs had now it does what kind of difference does that make for ucla to have these beautiful facilities with this being one of the you know newer facilities you know within the country and us just building this you know i think new recruits as they come and and they see that we have this ability to you know go in a gym and work out whenever any time of the day and not have to worry about 
going to Pauly and all these, you know, commercials and Disney and everything going on in there and that they, they have a building where we can be by ourselves and don't have to worry about outside influences coming in and distracting us. I think that'll, that'll help out more in the future. I can't let you go without a an NBA question here yeah. about the Lakers. Uh, obviously, historically, they've always had, you know, big-time superstar, a little bit of a dip lately, yeah. but now they got LeBron. What kind of effect do you think that'll be on the L.A. basketball community to have LeBron James playing nearby at Staples Center? I was going to bring a lot, and hopefully he'll, he'll throw some of those fans this way. You know, everybody coming out to see LeBron and come check out some UCLA games right after that and see the, and see the up and coming. Appreciate it, Chris. Thank you. And that'll wrap up this edition of March Madness 365. And wherever you find a Turner podcast, that's where you can find March Madness 365. You can also find our podcast on all our March Madness social media platforms, NCA.com, of course, on Twitter and on Facebook. And as always, thanks for listening.